Uh, Adrian's asked me, I thank him very much, just to share something with you this morning and uh, want to do that just now. Um, you know, growing up in Sunday school, there were always some Bible stories that uh, captured my attention more than others. The story of Joseph probably was, and probably in honesty, still is one of my favorite stories in the whole of the Bible. Paul and Silas singing in prison and the earthquake that uh, took place always fascinated me. God's plagues on the Egyptians, the children of Israel leaving Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, probably about as adventurous as you could ever get, and I could go on. To me, probably the most heroic story in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. It's the most famous battle that's described in the Old Testament. And it's not a battle between two armies, but it's a battle between two people. And uh, if you want to follow it, you can either open your Bible or switch your Bible on, wherever you're at. Um, It's in 1 Samuel 17. But firstly, I just want to uh, give you a verse from the previous chapter. That's 1 Samuel 16. And it simply says this, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And whether it's boys and girls who are here with us this morning or grown-ups, The fact is, we are impressed or not impressed by people and what we see when we look at them. We look at other boys and girls or we look at other adults and we make up our minds about them by what we can actually see. And sometimes we are completely wrong. And that could not be truer in this story Uh, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath, when you looked at him, had all the things that would impress you and probably all the things that would intimidate you. But the boy David, he was neither impressed or intimidated by Goliath because man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And David saw Goliath in the same way that God saw Goliath. And this is the truth. However big the giant may be, God is bigger. God is bigger. Now, we can't pretend otherwise. Goliath was big. The Bible tells us he was nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine foot nine. That is big. Some of you children, if you stood up on your daddy's shoulder that is about how high Goliath would be and just listen to him verse 8 and 9 of 1 Samuel 17 he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel why do you come out and line up for battle am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul choose a man having come down to me if he's able to fight and kill me will become your subjects, but if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So you've got to picture the scene. Goliath and the Philistines are standing on a hill, and there's a one-mile-wide valley, 
And on the other side, on the hill, are the Israelite army. And what Goliath was asking for was a common tactic in those days. It's what was called a representative battle. It was one man fighting one man. And whoever won, that man's army won. Whoever lost, that man's army lost. But what I want us to take note of, that this wasn't a kind of one-off challenge. Verse 16 tells us that Goliath threw out this challenge for 40 days every morning and every evening. And there will be boys and girls and there'll be some grown-ups here this morning and you are facing giants, whatever they may be, in your life. And this is always how they act. They don't just come once. They come every morning, every evening, day after day, trying to intimidate us. They may come in the form of a person. They may come in the form of some pressure against us. They may come in the form of a worry. And they hammer on our hearts every morning, every evening, day in, day out, shouting across the valley of our lives. And now comes the real giant, verse 17. Jesse said to his son, take this grain and bread, go to your brothers, see how they are, and then come back and tell me. So David wasn't coming into this scenario to fight. He was simply bringing his brothers some food and telling them, Dad's really concerned about you. And that morning, the sun rose, just like any other morning, for David and for Goliath. And that's the way it is for every one of us. No warning. But the truth is, this 41st morning of Goliath's challenge was going to be the last day of his life. And it was going to be the first day of David's heroic life. Nobody announced it. No angel shouted down from heaven, Goliath, today your history. Or shouted to David, David, this is your day. And I want to say to some, maybe boys and girls, and some grown-ups here today, today is that kind of day for you. Can you imagine how David must have felt? All the kind of excitement and all the fear as he saw what was, was happening up to now, David had spent his whole life on a lonely hillside with only some sheep and a few other shepherds for company. And verse 23 says that David was talking with his brothers and Goliath stepped out of his lines and he shouted his defiance. The same thing he'd been shouting every morning, every evening for 40 days. And the Bible just says this, and David heard it. And David heard it. David had never seen Goliath before. David had never heard Goliath's challenge. But as he shouted it out, the Bible says, all the men of Israel fled from him and were greatly afraid. But not David. David asked this question, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The Lord looks at the heart. It's interesting. King Saul, the Israelite king, 
he had devised a plan. He said, whoever kills Goliath will get great riches. I'll give my daughter in marriage to that person. But actually, if you read further on, that wasn't such a big deal when you find out the kind of woman she was. And I'll exempt them for taxes forever. But not one of those offers could produce one volunteer to fight Goliath. And the reason is, they were all external motivations. God looks at the heart. Let me just say something here about where Goliath actually was on this 41st day. Verse 8 tells us, on the previous day, Goliath shouted, Choose a man and have him come down to me. But on this day, the 41st day, some of the translations say... The Israelites asked the question, have you seen this man who is coming up? So Goliath has now crossed the one mile wide valley and he is coming up the Israelites' side where they were standing. I want you to hear me carefully. If we put up with Goliaths in our lives, he will take over our territory. He will move into our camp. He'll take over our thoughts, which should be on God, and he'll put them on himself. And that's why we cannot afford to tolerate giants in our lives. Giants have to be killed. Now, I haven't got time to develop this story. Verse 28, 29 You've got what you could call the the older brother syndrome. Eliab, David's eldest brother, reacted against David. And David could have turned and fought his brother about this issue. But he didn't. Because you need to know who to fight and who not to fight. Look at verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. The Lord looks at the heart. Man is impressed with what he sees, but he doesn't see the heart. And God is so different. You see, God doesn't judge by how we look. God doesn't judge by how intelligent, how clever we are. King Saul had not learned this lesson. So he says to David, you haven't even got the size to fight this man. You're only a kid. Look at that giant standing there. And David is standing there blinking and thinking, what giant? Because there's only one giant in David's life, and that is God. That's the only giant that David knows. That man over there is a dwarf. God isn't impressed with externals. He looks on the heart. And we've sung it several times this morning. If God is on our side, we can't lose. We can't lose. So this isn't the story of David and Goliath. David and the giant. 
This is actually a story about David and the dwarf. So boys and girls in Sunday school, if ever the teacher says we're going to talk about David and the giant, tell them, no, you're wrong. This is the story about David and the dwarf. Listen to David, verse 37. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And can I please say this to some people here this morning? When we are facing giants, some of you have forgotten what you ought to remember. And you remember what you ought to have forgotten. Some people have forgotten what they should remember and you remember what you should have forgotten. You see, friends, it is so easy to remember our defeats and to forget our victories. It's so easy to recite the failures in our lives in vivid detail but not to specifically name all the great victories that God has won for us. But David wasn't like that. He said, I'll tell you, Saul, why I can fight this Goliath. Because the same God who gave me power over the lion and the same God who gave me power over the bear when they came against me, that same God will give me the power to fight and overcome this giant. So let's skip over now the matter of David wearing Saul's armour. Let me simply say this. What works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. I think one of the greatest breakthroughs any one of us can have in life is when you realise you can just simply be yourself and God will use you. You don't have to be like somebody else. It's good to look up to people, but you don't have to be like other people. Just be yourself and God will still use you. So here's David, stripped down to his own simple clothes, armed with his own simple shepherd weapons, a staff and a sling, and he's ready to do battle. And verse 40 says, he approached the Philistine. And what I love about this story is it's such a perfect example of how God operates. God magnifies his name when we are weak. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to be clever at speaking. We don't have to be the top of our class. We don't have to have degrees. We don't have to look beautiful or look handsome. We don't have to have all the other things that people say matter in life. The society we're in says you've got to look like this. You've got to have this. You've got to wear this. None of those things matters, believe me. We don't have to have them if God is going to bless us because God doesn't look at those things. God looks at the heart. And God honours our faith. All that God asks of us is that we will trust him, that we'll stand before him honestly and in faith, and God will win the battle for us. And God is just, for some of us, he's waiting for that moment in our lives, waiting for us just to say, I'm going to trust you, and I'm not going to trust anybody or anything else. And then he'll empower us to face and fight our giants. 
Now, we mustn't forget Goliath, okay, he is still a giant. He's still a very big man. He hasn't suddenly shrunk. He's still nine feet, nine inches tall. All the odds are against David. There wasn't a man in the Philistine camp, and there probably wasn't a man in the Israelite camp who thought that David could win this battle. But the truth is, David didn't need their reassurance. It didn't matter whether they thought he could win or he couldn't win. David needed God and nobody else. So David came towards Goliath, and Goliath laughed. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I want you to listen. This is one of the most faith-filled scriptures in the whole of the Old Testament. Verse 45, 46. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day... The Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down, cut off your head, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. So picture it. The shepherd boy standing before this massive creature, unintimidated. You see, intimidation, making us feel afraid, that's our major battle when we're facing giants in our lives. Because when they intimidate us, we get tongue-tied. When they intimidate us, our thoughts get confused. When they intimidate us, we forget how to pray. When they intimidate us, we focus on the odds that are against us. When they intimidate us, we forget whom we represent And we stand there with our knees knocking together. And all the time, God is just saying, trust me, trust me. But you see, David's eyes weren't on the giant. David's eyes were fixed on God. He said, verse 47, all those gathered here will know it's not by sword nor by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Now hear me, that is the secret of the whole of David's life. The battle is the Lord's. Can we all say that, please? Say it again. I need to ask the question. We need to ask the question. Are we trying to do our own battle? Are we trying to fight our battle our way? Are we trying to outsmart the enemy? I want to tell you, we can't. But our God can. And God is saying, I believe, to some boys and girls and some grown-ups here this morning, do it my way and I will honour you. Do it your way and you'll fail because the battle is mine. The battle is the Lord's. See, David lived by a very simple principle. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose. He didn't try to impress anybody. 
He didn't try to impress the army of Israel. He didn't try to impress King Saul. He didn't try to impress his brothers. He actually didn't even try to impress God. He simply, as verse 40 says, he approached the Philistine, reached into his bag, took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine, and he fell down on the ground. So says the Bible, David triumphed over the Philistine and killed him. So now the truth is out. David's the giant, and Goliath really is the dwarf. And everybody in the camp of the Philistines and everybody in the camp of the Israelites knew it. So very quickly, four lessons from this story. You know, winning victories is very important. And when you win a victory, you need to remember it. I want to ask you, every one of you this morning, where do you keep your victories? Where do you keep your victories? God doesn't waste victories. When God does something that only he can do, he says to us, don't forget that. That's why over and over and over again in the Old Testament, he told his people, pile up a big stack of stones as a remembrance of what I have done. Whenever you pass this way, whenever your children pass this way, and they say, what's that for? Tell them the victory that I won at that place. First lesson, facing giants is a frightening experience. But David said, my God is greater than he is. Second lesson, Doing battle is a lonely experience. No one can fight your fight for you. Your Goliath is your Goliath. Somebody may say to you, oh, don't worry about that. It's not a problem at all. The truth is, to you, it's like a Goliath. To you, it's like a Goliath. And nobody else can battle him for you. Remember, it's on the battlefield that you learn to trust God. Third lesson... Trusting God is a stabilizing experience. David just took one stone and slung it, and he hit the mark first time. He was trusting in God. Fourth lesson, winning victories is a memorable experience. We've got to remember the victories of the past. We've got to pass on our lion and bear stories. We've got to pass on our Goliath stories to the next generation so they know that God is the God of victories. I want to encourage you to do that. Share your Goliath stories. Share them with yourself, remind yourself, but share them with others as well. Will you pray with me, please? I don't know what your giant is today. It may be for some boys and girls here. Your giant is something at school. It may be something to do with exams. It may be one of your so-called friends. It may be some worry you have about the future. And for other people, your giant may be something to do with your job. It may be unemployment. It may be some financial situation. 
It could be an illness that you're facing. It could be another person. Your giant could be a family member. It may be some fear that's kind of lurking round the corner and it's sucking your energy and draining your faith. And if that is you this morning, some giant that's there in your life, whether you're a boy or girl or whether you're a grown-up, then God is saying to you today, trust me. Put your faith in me. Turn your fears, turn your worries, turn your confusion over to me. And you'll see that God is bigger and powerful than anything that you may be facing. Don't forget, the battle is the Lord's. So if you are facing a giant today, it doesn't matter what the giant is. He may be a boy or a girl here. He may be a grown-up. And if you're willing, as you look at that giant, forget what other people may say about it. To you, it's a giant. If you're willing to make this declaration, the battle is the Lord's. I'm just going to simply ask you, when we've all got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, will you just stand today? You're facing a giant, whatever it might be, and you're willing to say to that giant, the battle is the Lord's. If that's you, will you just stand where you are? We're not here to look at what other people are doing. This is you saying, God, this is your battle. This is your battle. And I'm putting my trust and confidence in you. Anyone else at all, just stand where you are. So I want you good people to just say this. And maybe others can join with us. Just simply look at God and say this. God, the battle is yours. Let's say it. God, the battle is yours is yours. Let's say it again. God, the battle is yours. One more time. God, the battle is yours. Father, I pray for every man and woman standing here today. You know what they are facing. I don't know. Many other people don't know. But God, we face those battles today in the strength of who you are. And I pray I pray your peace to come upon every man and woman who's standing in this place today. I pray your peace will stand as a guard over their hearts and minds. That's what your word says, that your peace will stand like a guard, like a sentry, like a soldier over our hearts and minds. And that peace will repel every negative thought, every negative influence, And give us the confidence to say, this isn't my battle. This is your battle. And I pray, God, that as they go out from this place, maybe back home, maybe to their place of work, maybe to their place of education, wherever that battle is, I pray as they leave this place, they'll leave this place with strength in their hearts, with a confidence in their hearts. God is for me. And if God is for me, nothing and no one else can successfully be against me. And I pray, God, that in this coming week, they will see battles being won 
in Jesus' name. I pray, God, you will turn situations around in their lives. And I pray, God, that in a very short time, they will have battle stories to tell. They will have testimonies to give that this is what God has done for me. Help them, I pray, to keep their eyes focused upon you. Help them to know, however big the giant is, you are bigger and you will win the victory for them. Let your grace be upon them, I ask, Father. Let your peace fill their hearts and minds and together we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God bless you.